There you go. Now you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around the town, all around the country. Even uh, all around the world with the right codes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of email from all around the world i mean i guess it's very inconvenient for them to get up very early in the morning very late at night sure, the whatever time the change. time differences are to call in live but, right uh, we do get quite a bit of email in, in fact i've got a email this week from zimbabwe wow and apparently i'm not sure what language they normally speak in zimbabwe yeah, okay pretty good english on that email <laughs> <laughs> he can sure write it good there you <laughs> go but he had a question about a vehicle that is not available in the states okay. and so i gave him some kind of general guidance on it best i could but right i really wasn't sure what vehicle it was yeah but, i noticed that when we used to go down to mexico mm-hmm. there would be a car that looked like a toyota corolla mm-hmm. but it was toyota corona or yeah, something they would have different they names the name but basically it was still the same car yeah in the different countries they they market different different yeah and some of them are vehicles that they just don't have in the states right i know toyota has had a diesel pickup truck a Tacoma, a diesel uh-huh. Tacoma down in Australia for many, many, many years. It's just not available in the United States. I've not seen one. I, I'm not sure if you can get one or special auto one or somebody can import one or whatever, right. but it was a very, very popular vehicle down there because you know, fuel is very sure. expensive and they're trying to get the maximum. Same thing in Europe. The diesels are very, very popular because of the fuel mileage that they can get out of them right never really caught on too big in the united states yeah I, most of your diesel stuff is is work trucks and and things of that nature you will see you some of that some, some cars are, are diesel cars but well, if you remember back i think it was in the late 70s early 80s gm and some of the others tried right. some diesels and boy they were just dismal failures oh i know they took a i think a 350 gasoline engine and converted it converted over to run diesel, diesel. And right, I remember that one. They had more trouble with those things. They were real popular in the Cadillac Eldorados mm-hmm. and the uh, Olds Tornados. That that body style. That body style. In fact, I had a friend of mine in Midland, Texas, and apparently when these cars came out, a lot of people in the area had bought them. Mm-hmm. There was a big concentration of those cars there. And when the engine started giving troubles, he would go out and buy them up with the bad engine and okay. convert them back to a gas car. Okay. And made a pretty fair living doing just yeah, that for a while. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm sure the market eventually went away, but he could buy those cars for next to oh, nothing, yeah. convert them over, and then... Right, resell them as yeah. gas engine cars. Yeah, <laughs> make a good little profit on doing it. So I see we got our phone line starting to light up already. We've got Drew. Good morning, Drew. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, good morning. Sir. Got a quick question about my truck. I've got a 2015 GMC 1500. Okay. Um, I bought it used, and it, the guy before me put on some tires that were slightly bigger. Mm-hmm. But my question is, if I, obviously the spare tire is still the stock tire size of 31. Mm-hmm. If I have to change that out on the rear, is that going to be an issue with the Eaton locking differential? Is it going to lock up, or if I'm driving down the road, or will I be able to limp it to a shop? And if you put the, the wrong size or unequal size tire? Correct. Yeah. So, like a thirty-three on the left side, thirty-one on the right side. Do you have you the know, stock the stock rear differential? Or you've had rear diff changed out. Stock Eaton G eighty. It's that Gov automatic lock. rear locking. Yeah, that. So yeah, the Gov lock probably would not give you a problem unless you happen to get in get a slip in. situation. 
because the way that one works, it doesn't have the clutches and stuff like the older style does. It's got a little like a pendulum in there that swings out when one tire starts to spin faster than the other, and that's uh-huh. what locks the gears. If they were drastically different inside, it could technically cause the gov lock to engage, which is not going to be pretty. You know, it's going right, to when that thing locks up. It, yeah, up. I mean, I think are the tires that are on the car fairly new. Yep. On truck. I mean, you might be just be better off finding you a spare tire Finding a spare the same size, of the same, same size. Type. Alternatively, yeah, I'm, Drew. I'm wondering if it would even fit under there, too, a 33, you know. Pretty sure, sure it would. They got a good bit of room. But what you could do is go to my sure. website and just type uh-huh. in tire size. There's a calculator on there. You can put in the size of both tires. It'll compare them. It'll tell you how much difference they are, you know, in height and all that stuff. Sure. And if it's a small amount, let's say it's a quarter inch or so difference in height then it's probably not going to be too big of an issue. When you start getting up to a half inch, three quarters, one inch difference, that's going to be a pretty significant problem. And, okay. I mean, I guess the only thing you could do is if that's the tire you got and that's the spare you got, if you have to put it on, you could always move it to the front. Yeah, just put it on the front. Put it on mm-hmm. the front rather than the back, even, even if it involves a little more work of having to swap sure. tire. The other thing is just drive real slow with it until you can get somewhere to get it fixed. You're not right. going to do it immediately. Put it in the service. Yeah, do it immediately. And, you know, tires today rarely just go flat. They generally get something sure. in them. They start losing air, and you kind of know about it. I know my truck, I've got an 02 model Chevy pickup, and I have never had to spare tire on the ground since 2002. <laughs> well, I mean, always I, frozen up underneath anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've had to take have tires repaired, but they never just went flat. Sure. They started losing air. I wouldn't got them fixed, but I've never had to put my spare on. So it's probably not a major issue, but, you know, if you do have to put it on there, I would probably either drive very, very slow. If that's not possible, I'd probably go ahead and just move it to the Put front. front. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen, I appreciate it. Love the show. Oh, thanks. Right, thank Drew, you. where are you calling from? Flagstaff, Arizona. Oh, wow. Right. How's the weather out there? It is beautiful today. Sunny is and 70. Oh, wow. man. And, and here it is here. So it's uh, about 95 yeah. with a heat index of about 104. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I'll stay here. Thank you. Yeah, there I was you go. Say, I was like, okay, Drew, thanks for calling, man. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number if you want to be part of the automotive. I would love to have you. If Drew can call from Flagstaff, you can call from Baton Rouge. That's for fact. <laughs> Got to put the pressure on you there. You know? <laughs> That's one of those things with spare tires. And as long as folks kind of understand this is a spare tire, this is for an emergency, this is to get me from point A to point B. It's not to be put on the vehicle and driven until it goes flat. Right. Or wore out. You know, the tires that come with most cars are considerably smaller than the tires that are on the cars sure. anyway. So that's good advice regardless, particularly like on a front-wheel drive car or even more so on an all-wheel drive car. Correct. Man, on an all-wheel drive, you can really, really do some serious damage to the car by even, putting it. Even just putting two new tires on it instead of putting four. Because Correct. Because you've got two worn ones, and then you've got two new ones. They're different tights, and it, it wrecks havoc with the driveline system right most of the all-wheel drives that i've seen recommend changing all four tires at the same time right and obviously there's always some gray area there i mean if you've got five thousand miles on your tire and your bus one you don't have to put four tires exactly Uh, or if you got nine tenths of the rubber left but if one tire or one tire is ball or gets damaged and the other three have three thirty seconds remaining or two thirty seconds remaining you're close to one you don't want to put a new tire with, with worn tires correct. because you're going to start spinning stuff around that's not designed to spin around at those speeds, and it's going to cost you a whole lot of money sure. to do it wrong. So 
Let's see if we can catch a few more of these phone calls right. before a break. We've got Anita. Good morning, Anita. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. I have a question. I have a 2006 Infiniti G35, mm-hmm. and several months ago, the engine light came on and indicated that the gas pending units were not working properly. Okay. I had those changed, and it took two, and that that light has come back on saying the same thing. I'd just like to know what your thoughts are. Uh, it would be about it, and I'm going to hang up and listen to the answer. Okay. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Most likely, the problem was misdiagnosed if it came back with the same code again, and that's very easy to do. For instance, you have to know when you do the diagnosis. It may say fuel sender circuit code. Well, that means something in that circuit is wrong. It doesn't Not- mean the sensor is bad. When they went in, unplugged the sensor, replugged it, they may have shook the wires around and temporarily masked the problem. But if the problem was maybe the connector was bad, because we change connectors more than we do sensors, sure. I think. That's one thing that comes to mind. There are also other things that can cause false codes. And there's A computer is fairly smart, but all it knows is what it sees and what it doesn't see, and it interprets that as a code. And then the technician has to be smart enough to interpret that code as to what it really means. You know, there are other things that could set that code that, again, when you go in and you change a part and you reset the system, it's going to take a while for it to regenerate that data and come back and throw the code again. But what I would do is go back to whoever did the work before and say, look, guys, I've got the same code again. Could you check it and see why this happened? And then see what they say. And if they have a plausible explanation, I mean, there are coincidences where something else could be causing the same code. But it sort of sounds like it got misdiagnosed the first time to me. And what they did just temporarily masked the problem. So I would go back just politely and ask them to recheck it and see what they come up with there. And let's see. Do we have time for one more before the break? I think we'll squeeze one more in. We've got Paul on the line. Good morning, Paul. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I got a question, a tire question. Sure. My current car takes a tire load index of 99, Mm -hmm. and it has a speed rating of H. Okay. Okay. Now, can I put a tire that has a load index of 103 with a speed rating of V? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. You just can't yes. go the other way. Yeah, you're not supposed oh, to go the okay. other way. You, you can, can always you, go higher, right? but you shouldn't go lower. Right. Oh, okay. Years ago, the speed ratings used to also connote a softer material on the tire, and the reason people didn't like to go up is because they would lose tire mileage. But these days, the tires, a V has roughly the same exact tread wear as an H. And, yeah, those can be substituted quite easily, no problem at all. In fact, my car that I used to have, required a t rating which is lower and i would always put the h's on it just because i like the way they handle better oh, okay. uh, so you can go up you just can't go down just can't go down do, mm-hmm. I, do i have time for one more quick sure question? go ahead okay the same vehicle the 2015 ford escape mm-hmm. when i replaced the battery in it mm-hmm. i was told that i was told two things i was told that i have to go in with a scan tool to reset the battery life monitor and then the other person told me all I have to do is just leave the car alone for like 8 to 10 hours. Don't open any doors or anything, and it will relearn that it's got a new battery. I would have to check service data to see exactly how that one is programmed, but I would go with the second guy most likely. Almost every module on every car, and, and I preface that with almost because there are some that do have to be reset, but most of them are designed to reset themselves or relearn once they're disconnected. Oh, okay. So, I mean, 
you'll know if it doesn't. I mean, it'll start coming on, giving you false yeah. battery lights or something like that, and then you can always take it in and have it redone. But I would almost bet that it's going to be a self-resetting type thing. Okay. There are a handful of them that won't, yeah. and particularly on the European cars. They're real big on you have to go back and redo. Some of the newer stuff, too, like when you do a front-end alignment now, you have to reset some of the yaw sensors and stuff so that the car knows because they put so much gadgets and gizmos on there that need that that it you know it has to relearn it so yeah uh, you'll start getting skid control lights and all that if you don't but there'll be some type of light that'll pop on to let you know if it doesn't like it so oh okay good but it's not going to hurt the car i think if it were me i would do just like the other guy said try it and see and if no lights come on you're home free right worst case you could always take it and have it reset yeah okay great thank you very much okay paul how's the weather massachusetts Right, right now it's like kind of like Louisiana weather. It's like <laughs> oh no! About ninety-one and it's high humidity. Oh jeez! Oh, I was looking at a map and it was showing the heat index and it was over a hundred almost all over the country. So it's oh, awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me, give me winter. There you go. Huh? <laughs> yeah, a guy on the weather report was saying, "Do you see a break in size?" Says, "Sure, October." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, very Paul. Much. Thanks for calling, man. Yep. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, we've got to take a quick little break, but we'll be back with a whole lot more. Ever plan to motor west? Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. So, Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new bow and mirror are a good match? Yes, as I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on the couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At AGCO, you can. Take your car to AGCO once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Ah, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan. This is Brian Terry right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll answer any automotive question you might have. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you have a question or comment or whatever, give us a call. There you go. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Talking to the gentleman about the tires. And uh-huh. that used to be a very, very, very confusing thing. Nowadays, tires have more or less leveled out in price. There's not a huge difference in the price between an HR and a VR. Right. And even a ZR rated tire. At one time, there was a huge difference. And I think most of that has to do with marketing. I don't think it costs considerably more to make an H or a V or whatever tire. It's just one of those things where they could get more money for one or the other. Nowadays, everything's a size. You, right. know, you go up to like the 20s and the 22 those are extremely those, right. expensive so they're making their money on the bigger sizes i guess they decide hey just we'll give them, <laughs> give them a break on the speed rating or whatever but it, it kind of makes me think that there's really not a lot in the construction of a tire that that influences the price that much you know it's always kind of occurred to me it's kind of like higher octane fuel and i remember when i was a kid regular fuel was about 30 cents a gallon 
the plus was 32 and the extra was 34, about right. two cents between the grades. But now you'll see 30, 40, 50 oh, yeah. cents between the grades, and I think it's just because they can. There's a limited number of cars that require higher-octane fuel, and right. I guess they figure, hey, we'll just make our money on those because I just can't see, and maybe I'm all well or not. I'm not a petrochemist, but I don't see where the little bit of iso-octane they add to that fuel should raise the price by 40 cents yeah. a gallon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so anyway, who knows? Let's go back to our phone lines with Claude. Good morning, Claude. Hey, I'm calling about the airbag. Okay. I'm a truck driver. I see a lot of people up there, and they got on the passenger side, and they got their feet on that airbag. Yep, They yep. don't realize that's like a stick of dynamite waiting to break their leg. Well, it'll uh, it definitely make them uncomfortable, push the knees up into the face for sure when that bag hey, comes hey. out. Had one girl, she had her legs up on the dashboard, happened down in the Hammond area. And when they had an accident, mm-hmm. the airbag came out, and she rode right on top of the airbag and went out in the highway. Wow. But Man. Fatality, you know, but I just thought the amount of people I see with their legs on the airbag. Yeah. Well, you have a unique perspective there, Claude, being a truck driver, because, number one, you're sitting up high, and you're on the road all the time. So you see an awful lot of it. I've occasionally seen that myself. But not nearly to the degree you have. But yeah, that is a very, very good point. Those bags, you know, they assume that you're sitting in a normal position with your seatbelt attached. And, right. And, and if they you're not designed to work that way, mm-hmm. not with your legs getting ready to explode back into your body. That's exactly correct. And I just wanted to bring that up. Well, good deal. That's a great point. I bet you see a lot of stuff being a truck driver, huh? Oh, I see too much. <laughs> <laughs> More than you would ever want to see. And I am a safe driver with no accidents and no tickets, and I'm sure I'm worth a million, but, you know, but... Uh, you know, most of the truck drivers I see are very courteous yeah. and, and very, very good drivers, and my heart goes out to it because I see these little cars, you know, they're whipping, trying to yeah. leave the right amount of space between them and the car head, and they're pulling right in front of them, right in front of them. I say, you know, if the guy keeps slowing down and letting people in, he's going to be back where he started. There's <laughs> a distance they can go out and get over, you know, with, with my that I like having clearance, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. which is about an 18 wheeler distance. And what they do, they come right over in front of you, then they slow down. Yeah, you know? I've seen that and, too many times. And there's a lot of people driving in the middle lane or left lane. That don't need to be. Get, that's not doing the speed limit right. Yep, you yep. Know, if, you want, if you want to drop 55, get in that right lane. You want to drive, you know, 65, a little more, middle lane. Want to drive 70. Yep. Left lane. Yep. Well, left of course, lane most of them are driving 100 in the left lane. Yeah. <laughs> by law, you don't belong in the left, all the way in the left lane anyway. That's the That's law true. Today. Right. That's right. You're supposed to pull yeah. over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that lane is supposed to be open. That's supposed to be a passing lane. That's right. And if people had to retest on all of this, they would, they would learn a lot. Yep. You know? Isn't that true? But, well, Claude, thanks. Anything. That's a great point you brought up. All right. Thank you, Dan. All right, Claude. Okay, thanks, bye-bye. man. Bye-bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number if you want to be part of the automotive hours. I have seen people going down the road with their feet hanging out the oh, window yeah. and just yeah. every sort of contorted position. <laughs> and automobile's not made for that. Well, it is designed with a passenger sitting in the seat with his with feet on the floor, on. with his belt and his lap belt and his shoulder belt on. And it is an incredibly safe environment in that condition. Now, obviously there's no safety system you can build if someone can't thwart with the way they drive oh, yeah. if you're driving 150 miles an hour and roll it over right you know god bless you but 
if you are driving the normal speed and halfway in control of the car, you're very likely to survive almost any accident you can have if you are properly restrained in the car. Correct. The passenger compartment is a reinforced cage all around you, and in the front and the rear and even the sides are designed to collapse to a certain degree to absorb the energy. Because when you have something like a vehicle, which weighs anywhere from 25 to 5,000 pounds, traveling 70 miles an hour, there is a huge amount of kinetic energy sure. that is stored there, and it can't stop immediately. And if it does, whoever's inside is going to keep going. It's going to keep going. <laughs> you are also right. moving 70 miles an hour, and the car is going to stop short, and you're not. <laughs> so yep, that's you, for fact. You have to bounce your face off that windshield four or five times, you know, and, and then go through. But that is a very good point. It hadn't really occurred to him. But yeah, if you're sitting there with your feet propped up on the dash, and that bag deploys, right? At the very least, it's pushing your nose into your, well, into your knees, knees. Into, your, into your head. Yeah, you, you're going to be real, real uncomfortable there for quite a while until they cut you out of that car. <laughs> but yeah, one of those things people just, I guess they just don't think. Yeah, just whatever. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just the way they, they ride and drive in cars. And I tell you another thing that's always kind of been a, pet peeve of mine i know we service a lot of cars and you open up and you see the amount of debris and stuff inside the car mm-hmm. and i'm not talking about a mcdonald's wrapper on the floor or something but, yeah, but i'm talking about you can't see the floorboard yeah big things on the seats and all and again if you get in a collision and you have something big and heavy that's loose in that car it's flying around that's going to become a 70 mile an hour missile right inside the car and that can do a lot of damage i remember there was a guy he had a it was some kind of a cast iron something or another okay. sitting on the back package shelf of his oh, car. Oh, man. And right behind the driver. Yeah. It was some kind of ornamentation, and it was cast iron. It was very heavy. And I just mentioned to him, I said, do you realize if you were in an accident, that thing's coming forward 70 miles an hour right at the back of your head. Sure. And, you know, I mean, if you just absolutely got to have it bolted down. Right. Bolted down the package shelf where, where it's restrained because that's going to come through that car sure like a caddy like mustard it's, greens it's a missile <laughs> yeah that's that's exactly right and, it, and it's going to hurt whoever happens to be in the way sure and like i say it's going to slow down but not until after it hits the back of your skull <laughs> let's go back to our phone lines with steve good morning steve hello there yes sir i called you a couple of weeks ago about uh hhr with a stuck camshaft actuator yeah, i remember and he told me to go to put some uh, marvel mystery on right go get some fish at manchester mm-hmm well, I got crab. There you go. That worked. Good news. <laughs> yeah, it worked. <laughs> the light went out. Oh, well, good. good deal. Yeah. Uh, my good. Stick on it, my well, good, on. good deal. Yeah, because that was going to be a $1,000 yeah. episode, if I remember right. Uh, this guy in Gonzalez over here said it was going to be $1,000 to go into the motor. To right. And, you know, it just kind of makes sense, Steve, where it's not disabling the car or anything to try the simpler things first. Oh, the car is running great. Yeah, I mean. I know some people, they, oh, well, I know if it's a problem, I want to do it. But that's really not the best way to do it a lot of times. The best way is let's do the least expensive things. As long as you understand this may not fix it, right. but it may fix it. It's certainly worth the risk. I mean, what's going to cost you, 3 or $4 for some Marvel and a little bit it's of driving? My year, I guarantee you that. There you go. Well, <laughs> anyway, I just want to let you know it worked. Well, good deal, Steve. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive. Right, we'd love to have you. And we've got Marvin on the line. Good morning, Marvin. Hey, how are y'all doing? Doing, doing great, great, sir. I have a question about my 2017 GMC truck. Okay. I just bought it, 
and I do hot shots for a living. Mm-hmm. And you know when the when you get up to speed and you're cruising, the motor goes down to four cylinders. Correct, right. I've had several people tell me that I need to cut that off mm-hmm. after it gets out of warranty. Probably wouldn't. I mean, those are on literally millions of trucks, and I can't say I've never seen a problem with it, but I've seen very few problems with that system. does help your fuel mileage a small amount. I mean, in my opinion, it's probably too much complexity for the savings, but I guess they're desperate to get as much mileage as they possibly can. But I got to say, man, I've seen very little problems with that truck, with that system on the truck called displacement on demand. Generally, the problems we will see is sometimes a lifter will collapse and they'll start clack, 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 clack making noise or sometimes it'll set a misfire code but that's usually up around 100 120,000 miles at, at fairly high mileage yeah. and on in my experience it's normally on the ones where it all hasn't been changed regularly and all that and i mean it's just not a real problematic system i would not bother with it i just leave it exactly like it is if it, unless it gives you a problem but i change my oil regular every mm-hmm. 5,000 miles mm-hmm. and i had a friend of mine that had to put a new motor in his at about, I don't know, 150,000 miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I again, how was he put, taking care of his, you know? Yeah. That, but that's, I generally put about 400,000 Yeah, miles. well, what you're right. driving as a hotshot driver, you can that's, do that. And, you know, that engine requires a synthetic oil, so make sure you're using a synthetic in it, not a conventional type oil. It's, it's going to require oil that meets the Dexo standard. So make sure you, you're running a synthetic type all in and it, the correct weight and the correct weight of all in it. But I have seen very little trouble on those engines, particularly in your type of operation where you're driving four or five hundred miles at a time. I mean, I've seen a lot of them go yeah. a half million miles without any problems with that system. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks uh-huh. for calling, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. There we go. <laughs> that was Marvin, not Wallace. Oh, we got Wallace has been patiently holding. Good morning, Wallace. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. I had a follow-up on your earlier call about mm-hmm. the airbags. Yes, sir. And where you position things. Mm-hmm. It's also how you grab that steering wheel. And I had an EMS person tell me he went to an accident once. It wasn't a real powerful accident, but the lady was driving with her left hand on the top of the steering wheel. Her engagement ring was embedded into her forehead. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the airbag went off. So, like you said, there's a lot of power behind those. Yeah, so that could technically happen because the bag is coming out and it's going to fold out at the top and at the bottom. But, if you, yeah, it's, it's designed to have your hands at 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock. Right. So, yeah, I, I can see what, you know, could happen. So, yeah, just think about it every, particularly getting heavy traffic. Just think about if that thing goes off. <laughs> where are you going? Right. And see, where are parts of you going? Well, yeah. and the double whammy is, let's say you're traveling 40 miles an hour when it deploys. Your body is moving forward at 40 miles an hour, and that yeah. bag's coming out at probably another 40 to 60 miles an hour. So the resulting impact is pretty significant. And it is a yeah. big, cushy bag, and it does literally, as it's inflating, by the time it's reached full inflation, it's, it's starting already, to deflate. Or it's right. already starting to go back down. Right. So it's it's like a pillow thing, and and they're they're pretty safe. I mean, I've seen an awful lot of deployments. I used to teach airbags at one time for ICAR, and they showed films and films and films of crash tests. And I mean, they are as safe as anything a human being could probably create. But there's always some incidents where, like you said, something can go wrong. Well, I mean, you you're probably gonna get a brush burn from it mm-hmm. just because your yeah. skin is moving against it when it comes out. 
But like Lewis was saying, they're they're pretty safe other than you yeah. know, a few little brush burns. And or something. The, the other alternative is your face smashing or steering wheel sure. or, or the windshield. <laughs> yeah, like the, the cars we grew up with with steel dashboards. And, oh yeah, you know, non-collapsible steering wheels mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, yep. you were really at the mercy. That's it, <laughs> for sure. Okay, y'all have a good. All right, well, all right, thanks. Have a great weekend, man. Bye bye. Alrighty. Hey, we're gonna take another quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Gotta run, Paul. I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early. And they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah, a general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar, and I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Paul? Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie. (laughs) me my car into agco for a general inspection keep your car on the road longer schedule your general inspection today at agco automotive agco it's the place to go well welcome back it's the automotive hour i'm your host lewis Haldesan with mr brian terry if you happen to be driving around listening to the show we sure appreciate a call don't call don't, if you're driving yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> find <laughs> pull, somewhere pull to over stop call. There you go. Yeah. or get the passenger to call there you go, there you go. that'll you work just happen to be at home then you just go pick up the phone and give us a holler right on in 291-6901 and that's what brian did good morning brian hey good morning fellas well i'm not driving i'm at work there you go <laughs> not home either but i have a two-door uh, 1998 two-door tahoe okay I come from the factory with a 6.5 diesel in it okay and it runs great, but I noticed just doing some research on it because I just bought it a little over six months ago. Mm-hmm. And the vacuum pump's been removed, uh, factory wastegate has been removed, and there's now a manual wastegate on the turbo. Mm-hmm. And somebody was saying something about a boost gate may be required because going to that, you need to know what type of boost that is too little or too much mm-hmm. could hurt. And I wanted your opinion on that to see if that's something I needed to invest in or just go back with the, try to find the original type vacuum pump, change the serpentine belt to a larger one, and then put a factory wastegate back on and do and do away with the manual. Um, yeah, I would be happier putting it back the way it was right. designed yeah. simply because it does everything for you. You know, It's just one less thing you have to worry about. I mean, yes, you could put a boost gauge yes you could learn how to operate it and you could try to keep it in the parameters but i mean it's an awful lot of hassle yeah. just to drive a truck probably not gonna cost you that much to put it back the way it goes particularly if you can find the stuff used right. somewhere no i've already did, did some research on it and and it's not and i really didn't want to bust another hole through my firewall just right so I could feed my gauge. yeah you know you, you're kind of going with that the long way around a problem somebody did something that created a problem and you do something else to create another problem to try to cover up the first problem yeah, it's kind of like the doctor gives you some medicine, and now you can't sleep, so he gives you a sleeping pill, and that upsets you some, so he gives you some medicine for a stomachache. You know, where does it stop? Why don't we just go back and fix the first problem? <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, they may have done it for more of a performance. Yeah. But, but 
but the truck gets very good fuel. Good mileage, and and that's a pretty dependable vehicle also. I mean, that little engine doesn't really give a whole lot of trouble. I think I'd put it back the way it was and enjoy it like that. Yeah, awesome. Good stuff, man, and I enjoy y'all's show. Thank y'all. Well, thank you, Brian. Appreciate your call, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. And very, very often we see that where people will do one thing, which creates a problem, then they want to do something else, to, and then to, something else, right. and something else. And it's always much simpler to solve the original problem. Well, sure. I had a fellow had called me a while back, and he was warping his front rotors on his vehicle. So the first thing he does, he goes out and he buys some cross-drilled slotted sure. rotors and some ceramic pads and blah, well, it happens again and it happens again. And he keep, he says, well, is there something else I can do? Can I? I said, well, let's back up just a little bit. Why do you keep warping front rotors? Because your car is one out of hundreds of thousands. Everybody's not having a problem. This is something wrong with your car. Mm-hmm. How about we check the rear brakes? Oh, they're fine. So what do you mean they're fine? Well, I've never had to fool with them. Well, the reason you're not fooling because they're not working. <laughs> right. Know, they, if they were they, doing their fair share of stopping, they'd be wearing out also. Exactly. If the rears aren't stopping properly. The fronts are you, taking all yeah, the load. The front's stopping the whole car, so you keep warping rotors. And what you're doing is you keep adding more and more and more stuff trying to address a symptom rather than diagnosing the original problem. And when he finally brought it in, we went in. This was one of those cars that had a height sensing valve right. on the back. And somebody at some point in time had towed the car and had thrown a chain around that bracket and bent the bracket on the height valve. So it had it pulled all the way out, which so was cutting, the, cutting all the pressure off the rear. Big hammer and a, and a wood block. Straightened it out. Yeah, couple, got it back adjusted. A couple pops on it, knock it back, adjusted it, no more problems. Right. But, yeah, it's always tempting when something goes wrong. Hey, let's go to something bigger and better. But, you know, let's stop and think this out. Is something causing this problem? Right. Is this a design problem or is this particular to one vehicle? Right. And, you know, there are some instances where there are truly design problems. You know, you take like a 4L60E, they've got the reaction shell. That's a bad design. Right. They break. And I understand you're going in rebuilding transmission. You want to put a billet steel reaction shell. Hey, I'm totally, I'm with you there, 100%. But that is rarely going to be the case. Most times there's something wrong causing the problem. And until you address what's wrong, adding more stuff is not going to make it better. No. It's generally going to make it even worse. more complicated and at least more complicated let's go back to our phones mike good morning mike morning how you doing doing good morning this uh my son has got a toyota tundra truck mm-hmm. and he wants to put a lift on it i just wanted to get your opinion on that does it make the truck much more safe you know, yeah it's, i mean it's basically gonna rack the suspension out mike you know the, the truck is designed to run at one angle and when you start to raise a truck, what you're going to do is you're changing the angle of all the ball joints and the tie rods and the, the drive shaft and everything else on the truck. And all that stuff is going to start wearing a whole lot more prematurely. You get into problems with harmonics. You start picking up vibrations. You start picking up tire wear. I mean, it's such a problem. At Agco, we will not even work on a car that's been modified. You know, if you bring it to me for a front line, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, man. It's been lifted. I can't do anything for you. Because I know you're going to be unhappy. No matter what I do, I can do the best job in the world, and it's still going to wear tires. It's still going to shake. It's still going to – I would very, very highly recommend him against it. I mean, there's absolutely no advantage. It's not going to help anything at all, and it's going to bring in a whole number of problems. So, I mean, I would definitely try to talk him out of it. I've got an article on my site about lifting vehicles – and you just go in and type in lifted vehicle or something like that. You should bring it up. But there's a whole article that shows you pictures of tie rods in a bind, ball joints in a bind. And 
it's just one of those things that you, you re-engineered the, the truck at that point. You've taken everything you paid for, which was the fine Toyota engineering, and you've just thrown it all out the window and come back with something else, and it's all changed to an unknown. So, you know, it's just way, way, way more problems than it's ever going to be worth. And even uh, moving the tires out a little bit with those. Oh, absolutely. Right oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't do that. See, when you start moving a tire out, it starts increasing the load on suspension exponentially. And what that means, if you move it out a quarter inch, you may double the load. If you move it out a half inch, it's four times the load. If you move it out an inch, it's 16 times the load. So you start shearing off axles and breaking bearings and you're wearing yeah. out stuff. It's just not designed to do that. You're I violating mean, the initial design of the vehicle. If this was a vehicle that you were going to put off-road yeah, and racing, leave, leave off-road and not, would, not drive very much right. and you just wanted to do it, that's right. one thing. You, but, knew, you knew you were going to tear it up. Right. To do it every day for a daily driver... Man, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah, and really, the only Problem. reason is an aesthetic look that you like. But, I mean, is it really worth it? It's not to me, but, you know, everybody's got their own opinions about that kind of stuff. But it, it right. won't it won't right. be without problems, I can tell you. Well, that's I'll have him listen to this uh, section of the show. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, he may listen, he may I not. I know at that age, I wouldn't have listened. But <laughs> but he, he may listen, but not retain it. You yeah, know? There you go. <laughs> yeah, but he does need Dad's pocketbook, so. Yeah, well, it, well, it'll start getting into his yeah. pocketbook pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many vehicles we've had come in and we had to strip all that off, put them back the way they were were built because they had so many problems they just couldn't afford it. Right. Well, thank you guys. I really love the show. Okay, Mike. Right. Thanks for calling, man. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. All right. One last little break, and we'll be right back with the rest of the hour. Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to AGCO for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at AGCO can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean vehicle. Uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. We've still got a few minutes. If you want to get your call in, our number is 291-6901. And use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. And Just in case that doesn't happen. Right. You can always go to the website. Any time of the day or night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, go to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button fill out the little form and send it on in that way lewis can get your question answered and write back to you there you go couldn't be any easier than that and go ahead and send that email into him we always get an answer right back to you i had a gentleman who had an interesting email i thought and he said his granddaughter's car the battery went dead and okay so he went in and 
to jump her off. And he said after he did, the power steering quit working. Okay. So he thought, he said, well, maybe I knocked the cap off the power steering and the fluid came out. Who knows? He was right. one, but I couldn't find the cap. So he says, do you know where the cap is in that car? So, well, that car has electric power steering. Right. And most likely what happened is you blew the fuse when you jumped it off. Sure. So check under the hood, major fuse box. It'll be like a big 40 amp fuse. And that's probably blown. That's why you don't have power steering. But where I was going with all that power steering has changed so drastically. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's to a point where I'd say the majority of the cars on the road today probably have electric and not the old hydraulic power steering like we're so used to. Right. Let's see if we can catch one more car here. We've got David online. Good morning, David. Good morning, guys. Yes, sir. Good morning. Years ago, I had a 65 F100 pickup and the horn went out. That was when the button was in the center of the wheel. Right. I took it to the dealer. I got it fixed. And on the way home, everybody was honking at me. They had wired the taillights up backwards. When I signaled left, it would signal right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that can definitely happen because that's right. The, the turn signal switch is right under the horn mechanism on that well, it vehicle. Well, it was part of the horn yeah. assembly. The, the, the contacts went through the turn signal mm-hmm. switch. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, you had to take the, the connector off the end of the harness to get the harness out of the column. Then you feed the harness back through, and you put the wires back in the connector. Right. So if you didn't put them in the right sequence in the connector, right spots. Yeah, you could definitely have uh, <laughs> have all kind of things going on. Yeah, it really aggravate people, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, well, what made me, what brought this to mind? I got my notice from Mazda that the airbag inflator for the pickup has arrived, and it's going to take an hour and a half. Uh huh. Go in by appointment. Is there anything I should look for before or after that could be messed up like those turn signals were? Probably not much chance of that on that one because the horn is a completely separate issue from the airbag on that one. And the harnesses nowadays are designed where they can only go in one way. So I'd say very little chance of a problem. Right. I mean, anything can happen, David, but um, that is a recall that they've done over and again. I would think that would it would probably all be just fine. Okay, well, I appreciate that tip, and uh, thank you very much. I always enjoy the show. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901, if you want to call, we got maybe a minute or two to sneak something in. And, yeah, we were talking about the electric power steering on mm-hmm. cars today. Chrysler has a system out, electric over hydraulic. Yes. They use an electric pump to run a hyd- – I mean, an electric motor to run a hydraulic pump Correct. to run the hydraulic steering on some of their models. Well, and most of that is hidden underneath the – passenger fender well in the front there you go so you can't even access the reservoir to it without Hmm. taking the well out and you know the electric steering gives them a whole bunch of capabilities that they never had before the things like lane departure where as the car gets close to the side lane it can steer itself back right or things like self-parking cars so it's kind of the next evolution where we're getting to where cars that can drive themselves i know i recently bought elaine a 2018 camry Uh and this is sort of a base model, but this thing has, I mean... Oh, it's got all kind of bells a, and whistles. A little bit of software, and it could be a self-driving car. Sure. I mean, when it gets too close, it automatically applies the brakes, stops. If you get close to the lane, it'll steer back. So it does so many things already. I, I think the liability has them back right now, but as soon as they figure out how to, to master that system... Well, and I got to say, a guy will say, well, I don't want them computer drive. I said, well, you know, you want the average guy who's out there driving a car playing on his cell phone <laughs> yeah it can't be any worse than that you know? yeah i know i, I think know. that with autonomous cars accidents would go way down they far. would you just take the the human interaction out of it and right 
make it all automated there you go so anyway i think whether we like it or don't like oh, it it's or coming. whatever it's kind of the next evolution yeah. in the way of cars of course so. you and i grew up driving cars i yep. mean you had to drive the, the the cars we drove that's right they didn't half drive themselves like yep. the new ones do yep. but that's what's coming yep so. <laughs> hey i see we're just about out of time we're gonna start getting on out of here tell everybody how much appreciate them listening this morning and every saturday morning on the automotive hour like thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week tell your friends go to your favorite broadcast the rebroadcast service find a written view and fill it out for us yeah, fill out that written review it'll move us up so that when we type in auto repair we come close to the top and we get more listeners there you go and that's the name of the game Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.